This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey everyone, konnichiwa. Nikki Young here, back with my true crime podcast series, Serial Napper. Tonight we are covering part two of the Robert Willie Picton killings. Now, Willie is that pig farmer Canadian serial killer who basically looks and sounds like he's right off of the screen of a horror flick. But before we get started, I want to apologize for taking so long with part two. Both of my kiddos started back to school this week, so it's been absolutely insane for me. But here I am, and I hope you're still with me because this is an insane story. Let me remind you of where we left off. So from part one. Police in Vancouver had begun to notice a trend of sex trade workers seemingly vanishing into thin air. Women who were working the streets were terrified. A serial killer is believed to be on the loose. However, without any actual bodies or real evidence to guide police, they still don't have a suspect. Robert Willie Picton is a wealthy pig farmer in the area who spends most of his time throwing parties, doing drugs, and picking up sex workers rather than <laughs> pig farming. He has surrounded himself with a group of friends and employees living and working on the pig farm, all of which have an unsavory reputation to say the least. These are alcoholics and drug abusers who Willie uses to keep all of his dirty little secrets. While this is going on, an incident happens that should have caught the attention of the police, but didn't really. Wendy Lynn Eistetter was a sex worker who was attacked at the pig farm. She was handcuffed and stabbed. However, she managed to escape with her life, only to wind up at the very same hospital as Willie, who was also seeking medical attention because Wendy had managed to stab him while she was escaping. Willie was arrested and charged with attempted murder. However, the case was dropped when Wendy didn't show up to court. Had Willie have been convicted at this time, a whole lot of lives would have been saved because Willie was just getting started. 
A list of names of missing women compiled by the Joint RCMP Vancouver Police Department Missing Women Task Force begins in 1978 with the disappearance that year of Lillian Jean O'Dare, whose case was never officially connected to Picton due to lack of evidence. The earliest of the cases on the list connected to Picton is Diana Melnick, who was last seen on the 22nd of December, 1995. Now, Willie claims to have killed 45 women. However, there were only 26 women that he was charged with killing and a list of 65 women missing from Vancouver's downtown east side. The 26 disappearances officially attributed to Picton occurred by the years as follows. So he started in 1995 with one. 1996, there was one more. 1997, there was six. He had a very busy year that year. 1998, four. 1999, five. 2002, and 2001 with seven murdered women. Other disappearances before and during this period were not officially connected to Picton due to a lack of evidence, but it's very clear that he killed many, many more than 26 women. Unfortunately, because of the transient habits of the victim, I mean, the majority of these disappearances just went unnoticed. And even if they were noticed by people who cared, police didn't really pay attention to them. They had other pressing matters to look into. And even if a woman's sudden absence was noticed, it usually took months before she was reported to the police as missing. Then, in 1999, a tip came into police. A woman by the name of Lynn Ellingson had been heard saying that she had seen a woman hanging on a meat hook and butchered at Willie's pig farm. But it couldn't be corroborated because Lynn would go on to say that she was lying. Lynn had been living and working at the farm, and while there, she had witnessed so many different, let's say, unusual things. Women were in and out of the farm, Random IDs were found left lying around, random possessions, with what appeared to be blood on them. But this, this was one of the most terrifying things she had ever seen. And after witnessing this, she was threatened by Willie. She would be next to the skinned and butchered woman at the farm. But it wasn't only fear that kept her from telling police about what she saw. Actually, she had threatened Willie. Yeah, this chick was ballsy enough to demand money from him in exchange for her silence. She was a drug addict, and truthfully, all she really cared about at that time was being able to get her next fix. And because Willie was actually quite fond of Lynn, he went along with this arrangement. She had no idea just how close she was to being his next victim. She was really flirting with death. It would take over three years until Lynn would finally tell police the truth about what she saw. So for now, police couldn't do anything except just keep their eyes on Willie. However, nobody who could actually break the case wide open would come forward with information. And so police stayed quiet, watching, waiting for anything that would allow them more access to Willie and the farm. 
And while they waited, Willie went on carrying out atrocious murders. He had so much blood on his hands, and the police didn't really have a clue. And so it continued. On February 6th, 2002, finally, police executed a search warrant for illegal firearms at the property. Robert, his brother, and David Picton were arrested and police obtained a second warrant using what they had seen on the property to search the firm as part of their missing women investigation. They found so much, so many disgusting, horrible things, it would take several weeks for them to investigate the farm. Most of the evidence was small in detail, the farm was pretty big in size, and the sheer number of victims went beyond anything that the police had imagined. Because of his particular methods of disposing of the corpses, Picton left very, very little in the way of evidence for police to collect and use against him. He had an unusually bizarre method of disposing of his victims, which in the end, made it extremely difficult for authorities to actually convict him. He fed their corpses to pigs. Now, pigs will eat through a human corpse absolutely no problem. They will eat every bit of them. And having the pig farm basically meant that Picton had his own meat processing facilities on the property. So Picton had the means at his disposal to get rid of a corpse quickly and easily with very little, if any, trace of them ever to be found. Now, this one is a rumor. Um, I don't think it's actually been confirmed as far as I can tell, but rumor has it that not only did Picton dispose of his victims by feeding them to the pigs, but he also is alleged to have done something else with their bodies. He reportedly ground up some of his victims into mincemeat. He mixed them with pork and sold the meat to unsuspecting people who lived nearby. Even if he wasn't mixing his victims with the pork, which I think he was because they did find human tissue in his meat grinders, when Picton slaughtered the pigs that had been fed on humans, he would sell the pork. So either way, this has got to be some form of forced cannibalism. On February 22nd, 2002, they took Picton into custody on two counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Mona Wilson and Serena Abbotsway. With Mona, investigators found her head, her hands, and her feet in a bucket in the piggery. They also found DNA belonging to her and Picton on a dildo attached to a 22 caliber revolver in his laundry room as well as large blood stains matching her DNA on a foam mattress, bed platform, and walls in a motorhome on the farm. With Serena, they found her head, her hands, and feet in a bucket in workshop freezer number two. Her DNA was also found inside a bucket alongside another victim's remains. Her blood was on a Solomon ski bag containing two syringes also bearing her DNA in Picton's office. An inhaler prescribed to Abbott's Way was found inside the ski bag and four other inhalers in the garbage outside Picton's trailer, along with some Revenue Canada documents in her name.
My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day, because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious, with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. He would be brought up on charges again on April 2nd for three more victims and again for a sixth on April 9th. So they kept finding new pieces of bodies, new parts of DNA, and applying more charges. 
Nine more murder charges would follow over the remainder of 2002. Later in 2005, 12 more counts of murder would be raised against Picton. The evidence just kept piling up, and he would ultimately be charged with the murder of 26 women. Now, let's talk about the evidence they found of these victims. There was Marnie Ray, who was last seen on August 30th, 1997. Her jawbone was found outside the slaughterhouse. Georgina Faith Papin, last seen March 1st, 1999. Her hand bones were buried near the piggery under a platform in the slaughterhouse. Brenda Ann Wolf, last seen March 5th, 1999. Her jawbone was found in a debris pile in the former piggery. DNA was also found on a leather jacket in Picton's bedroom closet, and her DNA was found on keys near handcuffs and leg cuffs, one of them also bearing Picton's DNA in the loft of the workshop. Andrea Josbury was last seen June 5th, 2001. Her head, her hands, and feet were again found in a bucket in workshop freezer number two. DNA was found on an earring and ring in the slaughterhouse, and DNA was found on a black nylon jacket and black leather boots in Picton's bedroom. DNA was also found on the bathroom wall and on a pillowcase in Picton's laundry room. Diana Melnick, last seen December 22, 1995. Her DNA was found on the walls of workshop freezer number two and on plastic sheet liners. Tanya Hollick, last seen October 29th, 1996. Her DNA was found on the walls of workshop freezer number one. Kara Ellis, last seen January 1997. Her DNA was on Picton's jacket, which police seized in 1997 following the alleged assault of another sex trade worker. So if they would have tested that jacket, they would have found her DNA and maybe he would have been convicted. A prayer card with her DNA, her medical appointment slips, and a wristwatch bearing Picton's DNA were all found on a slaughterhouse shelf near Joesbury Jewelry. DNA was also found on a plastic sheet liner in workshop freezer number one. Andrea Borhaven, last seen March 10th, 1997. DNA was found on his rubber boots. Again, these rubber boots were seized by police in 1997 following the assault of Wendy. So if they would have actually taken those boots and looked for DNA on them, they would have found that it had Andrea's DNA and maybe all of this would have been prevented. Her DNA was also found on one earring in a plastic grocery bag filled with other jewelry. Obviously, he was taking trophies. This bag was hidden in a floor vent in Picton's kitchen. Then there was Sherry Irving. DNA found on the walls of workshop freezer number two. Helen May Hallmark, last seen June 15, 1997. DNA from her and Picton was found in a blood splatter on the bedroom closet floor. DNA was also found on a cowboy hat in Picton's bedroom closet. Cynthia Felix, last seen November 26, 1997. Her DNA was found in nine packages of ground pork in workshop freezer number two. So that's kind of what I talked about with the rumors. We don't actually know if he sold this meat or if he fed this meat to anybody. That's kind of the rumor. And I mean, he probably did knowing what a sicko he is. 
Her DNA was also found on plastic sheet liners in workshop freezer number one. Carrie Kosick, last seen January 2nd, 1998. DNA of hers was found on a pair of earrings in that same plastic grocery bag filled with jewelry. Inga Hall, last seen February 26, 1998. Her DNA was again found in packages of ground pork. It was also found on sheet liners and clumps of her hair was found in a plastic bag on a shelf in the slaughterhouse. Sarah DeVries, last seen April 13, 1998. There was a white purse found in the loft of the mechanical shop. It contained lipsticks with her DNA and, wonderfully, a used condom with Picton's DNA. Angelina Jardin, last seen November 20, 1998. DNA found on the walls of workshop freezer number two. Apparently, he worked a lot there. This seems to be a main place where he possibly slaughtered the woman. Jacqueline McDonnell, last seen January 21, 1998. Her blood and Picton's DNA was found on handcuffs in the headboard of Picton's bed. Her DNA was also found on an earring in a cardboard box in his bedroom closet. So again, this sicko is taking trophies, keeping trophies of his victims. Tiffany Drew, there was DNA found on a syringe filled with windshield wiper fluid found in an entertainment center in Picton's office. So this clearly may have been a way that he killed Tiffany. As we know, many of his victims were unfortunately drug users and drug addicts. So he may have killed her by injecting her with this windshield wiper fluid instead of actually injecting her with her drug of choice. Wendy Crawford was last seen November 24th, 1999. Her partial leg bone was found. It had been whittled and it was found in a sewage cistern outside the slaughterhouse. Jennifer Lynn Firminger, last seen December 27th, 1999. Her blood was found on a brown leather jacket in Picton's office. It was also found on a hooded pullover in the laundry room and a watch that he had kept on a shelf in the slaughterhouse. Her blood was also found in three spots, including the handguard and cord of an electric reciprocating saw in the slaughterhouse. DNA was also found on a black t-shirt in a debris pile in the former piggery. Deborah Lynn Jones, last seen December 21st, 2000. Her blood was found on a black Eddie Bauer purse and a broken crack pipe found at the foot of Picton's bed. Keys attached to the purse were smeared with her blood and opened a Surrey hotel room rented by the missing woman. Patricia Rose Johnson, last seen February 27, 2001. Her blood was found on plywood in the slaughterhouse. Her DNA was also found on a vibrator and on packages for two other vibrators in Picton's bedroom. And again, DNA was found on a syringe outside of the trailer. Heather Bottomley, last seen March 21st, 2001. Her DNA was found inside the bucket with another woman's remains in workshop freezer number two. And DNA was found on a broken black necklace in the slaughterhouse. Four bloodstains were found on fabric on the mattress of Picton's bed. So he's such a disgusting, I don't want to say pig, but yeah, he is a pig, that he kept his mattresses with the bloodstains and the DNA of the women he murdered. This woman's identification and notebook was also found on a table next to the television in Picton's bedroom. 
so he didn't even try to clean up after himself. Heather Chinock, last seen April 15th, 2001. Her DNA was found inside a bucket, and there was also a distinctive wolf head ring resembling one that she owned found in the pig pen, so he may have fed her body to the pigs. DNA was also found on overalls in Picton's bedroom closet, and on a silver bracelet and ring, and on a suede jacket in a box under a door, all in the workshop loft. Diane Rock, last seen October 19th, 2001. DNA was found on the walls of workshop freezer number one. Her purse was found in a debris pile in the old piggery, and it contained a knotted, fluid-filled condom with Picton's DNA. Her DNA was also found on a cigarette butt, a bench seat, and a step in a motorhome, as well as her hairs on a Hudson Bay blanket. Picton was accused of killing an unidentified woman named Jane Doe, but the charge was later stayed. So Jane Doe, we don't know who she is, so she was last seen at an unknown time, but they found a rib bone buried on the farm that matched the DNA of a partial skull that was also found in a swamp on February 23rd, 1995. So with all of this found, in 2007, that one charge was dropped due to the lack of evidence, but he was charged with the remaining 26 counts of murder. Unfortunately, he was only convicted for six of the murders. Authorities would eventually stay the remaining 20 cases in 2010. Out of all of those victims, Picton only saw six convictions. In total, there was a massive discrepancy between the amount of people that Picton claimed to have killed. He claimed like 45 women, not to mention the amount of DNA of missing persons found on the pig farm and the total number of convictions that he ultimately received. The vast majority of these families of the victims on this pig farm would never get closure. Most of the victims' bodies would never be found. There's just partial DNA. There's bone fragments. There's items belonging to the women. But if he would have fed their bodies to the pigs or ground up their bodies in a meat grinder, I mean, there isn't really anything left for evidence. This is just a testament to the power of the pigs and their appetites. In all, the DNA of one woman would be found on Picton's saw. The belongings of 20 missing women would be found on his property with no other trace of the victims. The DNA of 10 women would be found in Picton's freezers and ground meat containing the DNA of several others would be found frozen inside freezers. Willie would be sentenced to life in prison without parole for 25 years. So thankfully, he will die in jail. And honestly, this is one instance where I kind of wish the death penalty was an option in Canada. After Willie was arrested, many people started coming forward with information and talking to police about what they saw and what was really going on at the farm. It turns out a lot of people had information that they were holding on to, but Willie kind of had them under his spell because he was providing them with money, drugs, and a place to live. The victim's children filed a civil lawsuit in May of 2013 against the Vancouver Police Department, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and the Crown for failing to protect the victims. 
They did reach a settlement in March of 2014 where each of the children of the victims was to be compensated $50,000 without an admission of liability. So basically saying they did all they could and they're not responsible for what happened. Which I'm like, I guess this is the very least they could have done, but many of these families will never get any kind of closure or know what happened to their loved ones. And just because these victims lived lives of addiction on the streets does not mean that Willie Picton had the right to take their lives away. I apologize for the long lists of names and DNA evidence found. I know it can feel a little exhaustive, but I think it's incredibly important to speak the names of these victims and give you a little bit of an idea of what may have happened to them. They are the reason I have my podcast because they no longer have a voice. Robert Willie Picton is an absolute piece of trash monster, and I'm stoked he's rotting in jail. The end. (laughs) So, as I said in part one, this could be made into a horror movie. I mean, it writes itself. Well, apparently it was. In 2015, a film with the title Full Flood began production in Vancouver. It was based on Stevie Cameron's book On the Farm, and it used some of the real-life stories and experiences of the victims for a fictional story about women in the downtown east side. In 2016, the film was released under the title Unclaimed or On the Farm in Certain Markets. It doesn't sound like it got a whole lot of attention, but maybe it's worth checking out. So I thought I would bring it up. That is it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or whatever app you prefer listening on. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. If you don't mind, please head over on whatever app you're listening to me on, especially if you're listening on Apple, and leave me a review. It is literally the very best way that you can support me and I always super appreciate your support. So, until next time... Don't be a Dahmer. Bye.